Welcome to episode two of One Team, One Podcast. Today on the show, we will discuss the NFL draft as draft day will be here before we know it. And we will talk about some potential LSU landing spots and what the Saints may do at number 24. We will then have a LSU rewind for a classic, classic uh, LSU basketball game. It'll be a corona-free episode of One Team, One Podcast, and it starts right now. episode two of one team one podcast uh we want to thank all of our loyal loyal listeners for episode two (laughs) (laughs) i'm here with jack um i full disclosure on this i am jack's uncle i'm 41 jack is 21 say hello jack hi (laughs) we both love lsu sports and uh we've been talking about doing this for a long long time um, and we decided to start doing it right before they just went ahead and canceled all of sports. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. We <laughs> had it all lined up. We were going to talk about LSU Ole mm-hmm. Miss baseball. We were right. spring football. Yeah, the day that we recorded the first podcast like was the day that they closed everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the man, day. This is a great time to have a podcast, but that's a <laughs> terrible time to start an LSU podcast, I would say. Right. But um, we're going to do it anyway. So... And, uh, you know, with sports being closed altogether, we need th- we need things just like everybody else. We need um, things to fill the gaps right now, fill the voids. Um, I feel like everybody's trying to figure out what they can do. Um, I see people figuring out what they can bet on. Yeah. <laughs> just anything. I've seen uh, virtual betting on NBA Live basketball games. A lot of Have people are betting that? on the weather, too. On the on, weather. On NBA Live basketball games? I haven't seen that. Yeah, like the, basically although it they'll do a sim- simulation game. And they're betting on who wins or the over under, <laughs> which is nuts. That's, uh, I don't I mean, know that's... who makes the spreads on those, but anyway, um, I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was the NFL draft coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know tons of LSU players that are going to be drafted, especially in the first round. Um, and then I got a lot of thoughts on like the Saints. I know the hot the hot um, name right now is probably Patrick Queen, right, for the Saints? Yep, and Louisiana it is anyway. Yeah, so uh, I know there's Kenneth Murray out there, but that does right. nothing for me. Um, yeah. I want, it, I want the Saints to draft an LSU player, and I really want them to draft Justin Jefferson. I just don't think he's going to fall that far. I don't either. Um, the guy's just so good. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's, I, I saw someone on Twitter compare him to uh, he's a fast Michael Thomas uh, someone said that yesterday, I think, and uh, I mean, I had, I had said the Michael Thomas thing, and then I kind of backed off of it because I was like, maybe that, maybe I'm just being a little too bold there. But I do see it. I mean, he's a smart route runner. He knows w- how to get into the open gaps and find holes in the defense and all that. And then he's obviously a little bit faster than Michael Thomas too. Yeah, I just don't think he's that is as physical. I I don't know well, who sure. I would yeah, compare yeah. him to right now. Um, I, He's I just like so uh, smooth. I, I would compare him more to like an Adam Thielen type of guy. Okay. Although he might even be a little bit more athletic than Thielen. Uh, Thielen, I don't, I don't know. 
I, I, I just I can't think of anybody that's like him. I mean, plus we had Jamar Chase, who was like your elite player, and then you had him just kind of like maneuvering in the middle sometimes. But right. But he was also like he was faster. I, I don't know, and his hands are fantastic, and I, he showed that in the combine to me. Like it, like he was catching everything. Yeah. I remember the combine when Tyron Matthew came out. And I watched that combine, like, the entire thing. And I remember seeing him, and I was like, God, this guy's just on a different level. Like, right. he's smooth. His, he's got great hips. He's turning. He's like, catches everything in sight, even Tyron Matthew was. Um, it just looked – he just looked better than everybody else. And I was thinking the same thing when I was watching Justin Jefferson. I was like, I've seen all these other receivers, but – and these guys that are, like, ranked ahead of him, I guess, like Ruggs, just because mm-hmm. he runs fast. And I'm like – I don't know, man. Like, there's no way Ruggs is catching. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, there's as good that's, as Justin Jefferson as far as catching the ball. People are drooling over the potential of Ceedee Lamb and Henry Ruggs and guys like that. But if you're talking about a guy who's more ready now, like who's gonna who's gonna make, uh, who's gonna, jeez, I'm blanking on the word here. Who's gonna make an impact in year one? Right. It's Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's. He's ready now to play NFL football. Yeah, know? and I that I mean, I'm telling you, I don't care if we got Emmanuel Sanders or not. That's who I want the Saints to end up getting and I, I mean, want to figure out. Emmanuel Sanders ball. is great, but he's old. He's thirty three years old, I'm pretty I know. Sure. I know. And I I mean, if you need somebody that can come in right now, um, I mean you only got so many years left for Drew Brees. I mean, I think we got barred time here, so Right. I don't know. I if if it came down to where the Saints were picking at twenty four and you you were somehow Justin Jefferson fell and Patrick Queen's still there. Like that's the decision I think needs to be made. And I, I think you got to take Jefferson. And if, uh, if Sean Payton is serious about thinking that, uh, Taysom Hill is a future franchise quarterback, which I don't believe Sean Payton actually believes. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, but if, if that is true, then you need to get him some goddamn receivers. Because that dude can't throw an accurate <laughs> football to save his life. No, you need a guy with a, a good catch radius. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, who else we got it um, in the first round? I know we got uh, Chase on for sure. Okay, Chase on uh, makes sense that he's going to go to the Falcons. Uh, yeah. Just because. Falcons I guess Joe like Burrow to... will be in the first round, right? That it's leaning that way. <laughs> yeah. I've I've seen him mocked there. I saw something on Twitter the other day about the poll of who's the best LSU football player ever. Um, and it was Joe Burrow, Tyron Matthew, Leonard Fournette, and I uh, forgot the other person. I don't know if it was Patrick Peterson or somebody like that. But I'm like, yeah. how do you choose anybody but Joe Burrow right. for that? No, you can't. No. I mean, when you have a season like that, it's just ridiculous. It's the best college football season ever in the history mm-hmm. of college football. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, I don't think people even know yet how to, like, quantify it with or compare it to other players because it's just such ridiculous numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's off the charts. Right. I mean, exactly. So, all right, who else we got? Um, Patrick Queen, for sure. Patrick um, Queen. Grant Delpit is falling, right? Grant Delpit, yeah. He's going to um, be the one that's hurt out of this whole, like, coronavirus, everything getting canceled. Like, Pro Day would have been a big deal for somebody like right. Grant Delpit. Because um, I, I think I think a big problem with his junior year, the reason that he didn't uh, play as well as he did his sophomore year was because of injuries. And if he could have gone to Pro Days and 
uh, met up with teams and showed that he um, the reason that his stock his um his play went down was because of injuries and that he can now get healthy if he could have proved that to some teams then his draft stock probably would have risen yeah and I, yeah i think this the sophomore highlight film helps him better than anything really yeah I mean, he was just off the charts the sophomore yeah year. i mean there's a reason he got that number seven it's because he was ridiculous in 2018 right right yeah i i, I agree i think the injuries hurt, hurt him uh, i'm telling you that old miss game didn't help anybody on the defense yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> and everybody was out of position. Like it was yeah. just a bad, bad game to put on tape <laughs> sure. and yeah. it was, it wasn't good for Grant Delpit. And I know he was hurt, but like he was the guy that should have been filling some of those gaps and he just couldn't do mm-hmm. it that day. Um, yeah. So Christian Fulton is a guy. Um, I don't think he's going to get in the first round, right? I, I, I think, I think Fulton will be in the first round. You do. I do, yeah. Um, I think somebody's gonna have to take a shot. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen him really projected that way. Uh, I can see I mean, second ta- round early, obviously, but I- we talked about it earlier uh, or the other day um, about how it's pretty comparable to uh, Greedy Williams' draft stock in that Greedy Williams he started off last year um, before last year started. He was gonna be this super high round pick. And then his draft stock faded whenever teams kind of realized, okay, <clears throat> he's not even the best cornerback on his team because mm-hmm. Christian Fulton was the best corner on that team. Yep. So now Christian Fulton had this pretty good draft stock before the season, and his draft stock hasn't fallen that bad. But I think he's about where uh, he's supposed to be. Um, sure. Yeah, but it, it, it's fallen a little bit. I think he was – before the season, I'm pretty sure he was supposed to be like a top 20 pick, and now he's more – he may still be in the top twenty, but he may fall to the second round too. You never know with corners; they can. Well, and you may drop, have a run on. Drop. You can have a run on quarterbacks um, and stuff like that in the late in the round that people jump in. Um, I don't know how. I don't know how the draft's going to be this year. It's going to be so weird. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, I heard. I heard that uh, we're going to be able to like see inside of uh, like teams draft rooms and stuff that's what someone was telling me the other like day. every team's draft room because i mean they always have maybe, a camera in a few rooms but maybe not maybe not every team but uh they're gonna have that, to do I'm, something to like make it i heard that you're gonna be able to like see behind the scenes i don't know if you're gonna be able to hear what they're saying or anything hmm. but it would it's so it, that, that could be pretty cool i would like to hear everything everybody's saying yeah <laughs> that would uh adam Schaffer would have to be fired because you yeah. have no job they have to take his phone away for sure yeah <laughs> Um, I heard, I actually heard something on the radio the other day. I was listening to, I, I, for some reason, every, I think it's a Saturday morning. I end up hearing, uh, Mel Kuyper. I think it's, uh, I forget the guy, the, uh, I don't, it's not Joe Tessator. It's another guy, but, um, Mel Kuyper. Todd McShay? What's that? No. Todd McShay? No, 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 no. It's a, oh, Dari Noka. Dari Noka. Dari and Mel yeah, yeah. show. That's it. Yeah. The, their show. Yeah. Um, I end up hearing it all the time and, um, Lloyd Cushenberry's name got brought up. And I was first shocked. round, first round, and huh. it was the Ravens. So I don't know exactly where they're picking, but I, I guess they were looking at a center. And um, I mean, Lloyd's I the best Caesar center in this Ruiz, class. Caesar Ruiz from Michigan was thought of as being like the guy, and then there was talks of, well, there's also Lloyd Cushenberry, and I was like, oh my God, Lloyd. How about that? If he, that, that's one that you wouldn't think of. Like say, no. say Delpit falls or, or Fulton falls, and then Cushenberry jumps in. We could have a record number of LSU mm. players in the first round. Right. Um, that would be fun. That yeah. would be another national. We'll put that on the uh, 
on the uh, stadium wall as well, like record number of first round picks. Oh yeah, to go I mean, right with the we could have up it. we could have up to like eight. We could have like literally a quarter of the first round could just be LSU players. Right. It's insane. And then retire Joe Burrow's number immediately. Yeah. Yes. Nobody gets to wear number nine ever again. And go ahead and build him a statue while we're at it. Yes. Um. So anyway, that'll be fun to watch. Um. The Saints, like I said, I'm I'm hoping they. I don't know. I feel like you just need you need all the weapons you can get for Drew Brees right now and let him because Drew. I felt like he was okay this year, this past year, but it's like I—I I felt you can see you can see you can see he's struggling. Like it's yeah. not struggling. I shouldn't say struggling, but like he's getting older. Obviously, it's kind of like Tom Brady. Same thing. Tom Brady just looked mediocre at the end of yeah. the year. He didn't have enough weapons. Like it, you yeah. can see something like that. That's happening. why he went to the Bucks. Yeah, and it's like he's got weapons galore. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Like Tom Brady throwing to Mike Evans. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They got. We talked I about mean, this the other day. I mean. After Randy Moss, who's the best wide receiver he's ever thrown to after that, and Mike Evans is going to be the best wide receiver since yep. Randy Moss that right. he's thrown to. That's mm-hmm. Well, actually, Gronkowski. Well, I said wide receiver. So okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom Brady, that would be – and I don't know. I'm getting doom and gloom about NFL. Are we even having football this year? Kurt Herbstreit saying we're probably not going to have college football. He didn't say yeah. that, but he said I didn't, I didn't like seeing him say that. <sighs> it's just depressing. not 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 because I disagree, but like just because like I don't like hearing it. No, just, just don't even say it. Like it, everybody Please knows stop. what's going on, <laughs> right. and we don't need somebody to come out and say that and reinforce what we already kind of know. Like it, the writing's on the wall. One thing after another is getting canceled. Um, college football is going to be the next casualty possibly but um we're gonna act like that didn't happen um we're doing everything we can to kind of talk about things that are um away from what's going on right now and to keep our mind uh sane um we're getting bored we're doing a lot of things that we normally wouldn't do like um we've decided yeah we've decided that i'm older um i grew up in a different generation than jack and every week what we're going to do is have a segment called LSU Rewind where I'm going to pick an old game for Jack to watch, and it can be any sport, uh, LSU. We're going to stick with that um, and get him to watch it, and we're going to talk about it. So this is that segment called LSU Rewind. Welcome to the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm James Brown along with Quinn Buckner, where today is the LSU Tigers hosting the Loyola Marymount Lions. Back into 
Vernell Singleton, 14 points over his average of six as Gathers continues to rack it up with his 42nd point. And it's a one-point ball game with 2.41 remaining. LSU on top, 130 to 129. Gap blocked by O'Neill. 11th block. And LSU wins the sprint. All right, so LSU, Loyola Marymount, 1990 basketball game. Um, I remember this game vividly. So what was your take on this game, Jackie? Oh, my God, so many points. (laughs) Just like – so I was watching this – I was watching it on YouTube, and it was was on this, like, the SEC Rewind deal, and you know how they kind of skip around on there? Like, they'll be like – uh, because of time constraints, we'll skip ahead in the action. Yeah. They'll say something it's like that. It's always Dari Noka doing it. Yeah, it's always And his yeah, mouth exactly. is always – he says, we'll skip ahead in the action. And then he opens his mouth and he leaves his mouth open. I don't know if you've ever noticed. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I've never noticed that. But uh, so I, I only got to watch like the first – so it starts out, it shows you the first like eight minutes of the game. And the score's already like uh, – I can't even remember. It was like – 35 to 30 or something <laughs> like that and then it, it cuts ahead and it goes straight to halftime and at halftime lsu has 75 points and they have 60 it yeah. was 75 to 60 or something like that and i was like oh my god this is gonna like break a record or something so uh, and i remember this game very well because nobody tried to run with loyola marymount uh, that year, uh, I think the only other team I can I can remember was UNLV. They ended up playing UNLV, and UNLV could run with them. Um, and you were basically playing right into UNLV's hands if that's what you were doing. But Who did um, UNLV have that year? They had some. Oh, they had, had Larry dudes. Johnson, Stacey Johnson. Ogden. I mean, they were completely loaded. Um, there's that's another game we'll talk about one day is LSU UNLV same year 1990. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll watch that one for sure. And I didn't know that we played them. That year. I can talk about 1990 LSU basketball forever. Uh, we were such a disappointment <laughs> that year just because we uh, we lost a lot of games that we shouldn't have lost. But then um, we get bounced in the second round to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech was awesome that year. But, um, there's, I mean, we had Chris Jackson, Stanley Roberts, Shaquille O'Neal. I know Stanley Roberts and Shaquille O'Neal were both freshmen, but um, this was Shaquille O'Neal's breakout game. He uh, had a triple-double with blocks. He had 12 blocks. 12 blocks. He had, I think he had uh, eight at halftime. Well, you could obviously oh. tell in that game that Loyola Marymount's style, they they were, uh, Hank Gathers was like an animal. Um, rest in peace, Hank Gathers. But he, what his. Uh, oh, I didn't know he was dead. Yeah. Okay. So Hank Gathers. I'm, I'm serious. I don't Hank know. Hank Gathers that year in practice uh, falls and has a heart attack in the, on, in the, on the floor during practice. Dies. What? Then they go to the NCAA tournament, and they make it to the Elite Eight that year with Bo Kimball, and it, they were all. It was a big story, like very inspirational. And Bo Kimball was shooting foul shots left-handed in memory of Hank Gathers. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, you got some research to do, Jack. Wait. So, Loyola Marymount was averaging 121 points a game. Um, yeah. Oh my god. They run, run, run. <laughs> so. 
I remember watching a little bit of backstory on this game, and it was Paul Westhead. So Paul Westhead coached for the Lakers and kind of – I don't want to say invented Showtime with the Lakers, but he started a run and gun kind of thing with the Lakers with Magic Johnson. He ends up leaving, and they they hired Pat Riley. Well, Paul Westhead okay. ends up being the coach for Royal and Marymount, um, mm-hmm. and they are just running all game long. And so every team that tried to run with them would get exhausted by the second half, um, and that's where they would just outscore you because uh, they just they didn't get tired. And I can remember LSU was getting out to this lead, and they were running with them. And then all of a sudden, Loyola and Marymount starts coming back and coming back. And yeah. it's like they're hitting threes. It's just crazy. Because well, um, normally when I rewatch like old LSU games, I'm always going to watch something that we won. So like this whole time, I'm like just assuming that we win, and then I remembered like halfway through, I was like, oh wait, I actually don't know the final score of this. Like we might lose, and then well, it was tied yeah, with like tied. a minute left. They had the ball, and they just started chunking up shots. I mean, yeah, that's just how they played. They just chunk shots up. Well, and in this game was a little different too because Hank Gathers was just an animal down low, but obviously he wasn't as big as Shaq and Stanley Roberts. No, but he would just drive, and that's how Shaq ended up got getting twelve blocks. Right. Hank Gathers would just drive and force. He was trying to get them in foul trouble, is what they were doing. And it's like right. just force the action to him. Eventually, Didn't work. you know, Shaquille was in his first his freshman year. He was great, but he was always he in was, foul trouble. He was seventeen years old. Yes, 17 years old with a 22-size shoe. Um, <sighs> so that year, too, I have a lot of tidbits on that year. It was the year where SEC experimented with six fouls that year. Um, huh. So in SEC games, they had a six-foul limit, which was perfect because Shaquille was always getting in foul trouble. He would still foul out. He had six fouls all the time. But when it got to a game like this, they were in five fouls, and I think that's why they were just trying to go at him. But obviously he – you know, SWAT and everything. Stanley yeah. Roberts was just like he was awesome. He was just so Another, polished as a freshman, and yeah, he, he had some just, moves. Uh, he he his, he had always had gray problems and stuff like that. So this was the only year he uh-huh. ever played. Have I ever told you that uh, Stanley Roberts coached me in a spring league basketball game? Really? It's just one game. Uh, we were doing this spring league at Red Storm, and uh, like. You would get assigned to a different coach. We all played like eight different games or eight different coaches, and you would mm-hmm. rotate coaches. So for one game, I had Stanley Roberts, and I'm not kidding. It was the best game I've ever played in my life because <laughs> I was the tallest dude on the team, and, and he was like, like we're, we're, we're going to feed the, the big man this game. <laughs> yeah. I ended up having like 25, 26 points or something like that. I had like 10 rebounds. I don't think I've ever had a double-double in my life. So that year, I was talking about this to you the other day too, like – Chris Jackson was just – he was my favorite LSU basketball player ever. Um, but his freshman year, just he was off the charts his freshman year. But his, his sophomore year, it felt like he was trying to either do too much or he was trying to be a facilitator, which was just not quite his game. So 1990 was his sophomore year yes. or 89? Okay. 80, well, 88-89 was his freshman year, and then 89-90 was his uh, sophomore okay. year. Right. And then he right. left. He, he went he went to um, the pros right after. Um, okay. He was the third pick oh, by the third pick by the Nuggets. But, oh, I didn't um, know he went to the Nuggets. Yep, uh, you, there's some for NBA highlights of of Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, um, and right. for the Nuggets that are pretty great too. Um, but he ended up getting thinner. Like he was kind of he he was filling out a little bit his sophomore year at LSU, but it, when he got to the pros, he ended up. So he thinner. left after his sophomore year. Yep. yep. Oh, okay, and I thought you couldn't leave until after three years at at that point. Nope. 
Yeah, you okay. could leave um, early then. But okay, you it, could leave. Could you leave after your freshman year that back then? I think so. I don't think there oh, was wow. a rule on that um, quite yet, but okay. I, I can't remember exactly. But um, all I remember is really is, is yeah. But his sophomore year, I just I didn't I didn't see where he was taking over games like he was uh, his freshman year. His freshman, I mean, his freshman year they didn't have anybody else. They had him and Ricky Blanton basically. Um, but the sophomore year they're loaded. Um, they got all kinds of guys. Um, and he, I think he was just trying to facilitate a little bit. Kind of reminds me a little bit of that year that we had Ben Simmons recently. Yeah. Uh, when we were just we had so much talent. We had him. We had Blakeney. Quarterman was playing really well. Yeah. Uh, and you just Johnny Jones just couldn't figure it out. I mean, granted, Dale Brown's a better coach than Johnny Jones, but we just kind of couldn't figure it out, even though we had so much talent that year. Well, and this is the um, when people talk about Dale Brown, they're like, man what a terrible job he did with this team. Like, this team is so loaded, and this is a Final Four team. Like, right. you know, yeah, absolutely. You, got, you got guys that are just, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal's a Hall of Famer. I know he's a freshman, but Stanley Roberts was better than Shaquille O'Neal uh, coming out of high school. Um, Chris Jackson was, in my opinion, Chris Jackson was the best college basketball player those two years. Like, Larry Johnson for UNLV was probably right up there. Um, but man, to have all those guys, and then you had guys like Vernell Singleton, Wayne Sims, Maurice Williamson. I mean, you were just stacked. You were stacked. Um, Singleton guy was pretty good too. That dude could fly. Vernell Singleton was great. Um, yeah, he was just kind of that guy that kind of. He had two massive dunks against Marymount. Yeah, yeah. There was just a like couple. Out of, I mean, out of nowhere. So in the clips that I had played earlier, um, there was and and for everybody to know, I when I cut those clips. There's a couple of clips in there that is just straight action. I didn't cut anything. It was somebody scored, and then they ran down the court in a second and scored again, and then they no, ran down the court that, and they that's scored again. exactly how the game went. It is it nuts. Was, it was unbelievable. And it was like was, the entire time Marymount would just play like they were down by 30, and it's like the championship game or something. They just have to – they're just chunking up shots. There's five minutes left or something. Right. That's just how they played. So I was talking to somebody on um, on Facebook today about Loyola Marymount, and I don't understand why more mid-major teams don't take that strategy. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it's conditioning, I guess, and, like, I mean, they weren't that deep of a team, but, like, why wouldn't you just run and run and run and run and run and try to wear teams out? Um, I think that's a style that – I don't know why I don't know why they wouldn't do that now. They're pressing the whole game. Um, I'm sure. I mean, this must have been the most conditioned team <laughs> in the history of basketball. Like they, had they did to this be. every game. Like it's crazy. They weren't even t- the game went to overtime, and still no one was tired. Right. For uh, Marymount, there was. Uh, it definitely looked like Shaq was a little tired at the end. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure all those big guys were tired. I'm, I was surprised that Shaq and Stanley Roberts were able to run as much as they were. I, I was mean, surprised neither of them fouled out. Yeah, I know. Um, that was impressive. You know, I, I ended up right after I watched that game because I was just I wanted to watch it because I knew you were watching it. I ended up going on uh, YouTube and, and clicking on to the LSU Georgia Tech game, which was the uh, second round game they ended up losing in the NCAA tournament. And first two minutes of the game, uh, Stanley Roberts picks up two fouls, and it was like a guy was was going in the lane threw up a shot, 
uh, Stanley Roberts blocks it, doesn't even touch the guy. They call the foul. And it's like stuff like that happened like crazy that year. And then for the next two years with Shaquille, he would always get stupid fouls that he didn't even touch the guy. But it was like he was just such a force and a big presence that – the referees would just blow the whistle. It was right, they're just kind of looking for something. Right. That makes sense. So, anyway, I thought that was a great game to watch. Um, so many yeah, points. Yeah, that was fun. 148 to 141 <laughs> overtime. And back then it it's wasn't like a, It's, not, it's not even like an NBA game either. It's like an NBA all-star game. Right. Well, and then one of the crazier parts is that you'll, you'll see that score and you'll say, oh, my God, neither of these teams can play any defense. Both teams were playing pretty good defense, honestly. Yeah, they if were you just, go watch the game, yeah, and it, it, the it's pre- just so the fast. Press, uh, the press kind of hurt LSU a little bit that year. Uh, that, they didn't yeah, have a true – like, I thought Chris Jackson was fantastic as a ball handler, but he wasn't a point guard. He just he, – he was not a point guard. You wanted the ball in his hands, but he was just never a point guard. He had guard. some – he had oh, some his nice handles are just, passes. His handles some, was unreal. Yeah. Um, he, he would always have this, like – Had me out of my chair. He would pull up to the uh, three-point line, and he would do a double, like under, you know, crossover, and then pull up, and he did it yeah. over and over and over. Um, you <laughs> know, can't a, stop it. A great game to watch is, and it was kind of like Chris Jackson's coming out party. Um, was the eighty-eight, eighty-nine year, and I think it was eighty-eight because it, it wasn't SEC had just started play, and it was LSU Florida at Florida, and he ended up having fifty-three points that game as a freshman. Which was an I think I've seen I've, I've seen a little bit of that game before. Man, that game and that was when we had nobody else. It was him and Ricky Blanton, like I said, and he just took over the game. Um, it was unstoppable. That's the game where you just give him the ball and you just let him go. Um, and he would still have games like that where he would take over, but um, you know Shaquille coming in having blocks like that, like I mean, those guys had to play their light. They had to play lights out to beat that team, which is still crazy. Um, Loyola Marymount ended up going to um, the tournament, and they beat Michigan in the Sweet 16. And that's, not, they, that's not Fab Five, is it? Not Fab Five. It was, right, it was before Fab Five. year before? Okay. Um, no, that's probably a couple years before. So okay. Michigan had, uh, I think, Glenn Rice still. So Glenn okay. Rice was a big-time player. Um, but ended up uh, beating them and going to the Elite Eight, and they lost to UNLV in the Elite Eight. So Okay. Um, and like I said, UNLV you just so like, that's a good team. Then. Who UNLV? No, or Loyola Mar- Marymount. Marymount. Yeah, yeah, that year. And then I think with the uh, the Hank Gathers stuff, it it made like a big emotional uh, sure. thing for those guys. And yeah, try to run with them. Like try to run sure. with them and see what happens. Michigan tried to run with them, and they I think they lost by thirty points in the uh, Sweet Sweet Sixteen that year. And Michigan was like I think a one seed or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's crazy game, crazy game. But man, a team needs to, to try that. Like, just I'd love to see it. I mean, you had Memphis uh, not that long ago, and they would do the the forty minutes of hell, mm-hmm. and they would just press you the whole game. Well, you know I who think... I remember of was um, Tulane. Uh, I think it was called the Posse or something like that. They had like hmm. I don't remember. I think that's what they called them. But they they basically had a starting five. And then they would bring in a whole new five rotation, and it was called the posse. And whenever they came in, they did press and like they were crazy, like going all over the place. And it was like they would bring in like waves of people, but you have to be like super deep, you have to be super in shape, like 
There's no way you can do that with this, with just like a seven man rotation. How long ago was that? The posse. Yeah. Oh, that was like probably same time, like ninety. Oh, okay. You know, maybe mid nineties. I don't know if it was that long ago, but uh, it was fun to watch. If anything, like uh-huh. you know, a mid major like that. I you know, I guess you can call uh, sure. Tulane still a mid major, I mean, but yeah, a, a team like that just to to change it up. It's like, like yeah, I mean, like what do you have to lose? Yeah, and I think that was the big thing that nobody ran with with Loyola Marymount and LSU was like, no, nah, we're gonna run. At the um, very least, just get give uh, give your fans a reason to get to the stadium. Yeah, get to the stadium and get beat by thirty by Loyola and Marymount. Well, so we are going to take requests as well on games that anybody would like to see in the future. I have tons that I, we can talk about, and we can talk about football, anything like that too. Um, I think the eighties and uh, 80s and 90s are my wheelhouse, um, and I think there's a lot of games that Jack probably would love to see anyway. So if uh, you guys can reach out to us on, on Twitter at one team one pod, um, also Facebook and Instagram, you can always send us a message there um, and like and share, of course. But I've even, I'm even finding like random old games, not even that old, like just from like five years ago that I just, I don't, I never saw that game. I have no idea who won the game. I'm, I have one game on my queue. It's uh, Arizona versus Arizona State football 2014. I just, I don't know who won the game, so I'm just going to watch it. Arizona, just, Arizona State? Yep. Just, I don't know who won, so, but it's on YouTube, so I'm going to watch it. And that's how I'm going to get my that sports fix. Sound, man, that doesn't sound inviting at all. We need well, to do, we're we're gonna stick with LSU games for you. So I'll get some uh, I'll get some LSU games for you. We'll get them lined up. Uh, I can already. I think you were watching LSU Auburn, um, the interception game, right? Yeah, that was a uh, '94. Man, that was a crazy yeah. game. Uh, yeah, we were actually up by a lot. Up by two touchdowns going into the fourth. Uh, right at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, Jamie Howard throws a pick six. Yeah. We get the ball back, and he throws. Another pick six. Yeah. We get the ball back. So it's tied now. Seven minutes left. It's tied. Uh, we go down. We kick a field goal. We get a stop on defense. Our defense played freaking incredible oh, this man. game. Uh, dude, let me tell you. Our, de- our defense only then, gave up three points. Our defense back then, we were loaded on defense. Man, you. I'm telling you, you were loaded that year. That's an awesome On defense, game. that is. But And then Kevin yeah. Falk comes in in 95, right? Yes. Kevin Falk, 95. First game was Houston. I'll never forget that one. We'll talk about that one another ga- another okay. day as well. <laughs> okay. That works. Uh, um, but, yeah, so that was a crazy game. Yeah, so our defense gave up three points. Yeah. Our offense gave up uh, 27 points. Yeah, that's 27, right. Because they missed a field – they missed an extra point. So the final score was uh, 30 to 26. Their defense scored 27 points. Our offense scored 26. Yeah, and I, the great thing about – I, that was tough. I mean, that's the, whenever people talk about Jamie Howard, that's one of the things they always talk about. But one of the things people don't remember is the next year, um, him leading us to beating Auburn at LSU, and then we ended up going to the Independence Bowl uh, that year. Michigan that State, like, right? Yeah, Michigan State against Nick Saban at Michigan mm-hmm. State. Oh, and, right. Uh, I went to that game with my uncle. So, but um. Yeah, that was a that was a year where it was a turning point. Jerry DiNardo came in. That was the bring back the magic year, and that Auburn game was like the big game. And Jamie Howard was the guy who led us to it, and it made it it made it a little bit more special because it was Jamie Howard and what happened the year before in that Auburn game. But um, 
So, yeah, bring us some more um, LSU football games or basketball games um, or baseball games. We can talk about that, too. Um, I think that would be a, a good way to kind of get us out of this uh, boredom that we're in for sure. Um, and I think we were going to talk a little bit about some free agency, right? Some NFL free agency going on right now. Yeah. So since, since we last, uh, updated the podcast, uh, so Brady is now in, uh, Tampa Bay. Yep. Philip Rivers is now in Indianapolis. Yep. Todd Gurley is now in Atlanta. Man, that is so weird. That whole situation. We, me and you talked about it the other day, but like, man, Todd Gurley. What's happened to this guy? What, what happened that we don't know about? Because after that, after that year, they ended up going to the Super Bowl, and he's like being benched by C.J. Anderson, right? The the heaviest running back ever. His um, his, his body is just not right, and something's going on. Yeah. I don't know if it's just body think, or if it's, there's some. You think mental it might stuff. be off the field? I have oh. no idea. It just it, some signs there that aren't great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, with the Falcons now, right? Yeah. Uh, Saints added Malcolm Jenkins, which is yeah, huge. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, I was worried about. I was a little bit worried about safety. Sean Payton's always talked about how losing Malcolm Jenkins the yeah. first time was just like that was something that he didn't want to happen, obviously, and he's always been trying to get him back. And I think that's just a great move. Add some. You know, I agree. it reminds me of a little bit is the year we won the Super Bowl, um, and we don't like to talk about this guy anymore. But Darren Sharper, yeah, uh, when they added him, it it, it made a a very veteran presence in the defensive backfield and kind of got everybody in line. He got the turnovers. safety in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was a, um, a great move for to get Malcolm Jenkins for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, that, I think that's going to be huge for the uh, secondary, uh, which our secondary was already pretty good. Uh, um, let's see, what else happened? Oh, so we, we're still waiting on uh, Jameis Winston. And Cam right. Newton, and right? Cam Newton, exactly. Uh, and then the Patriots and the Chargers are two teams that are just – they don't have a quarterback right now. All right, so here's my conspiracy theory on the Patriots. Great. Oh, yeah, he told me this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to break love, it out. I, lo- I love this theory. All right, so my theory is Bill Belichick had a meeting with Andrew Luck a year ago. Told him what was going to happen. He retires. Um, and now the Patriots can talk him out of retirement and come on and be the Patriots quarterback for the next 10 years. I mean. Yeah. I, does that not sound like the most Bill Belichick thing like, ever? Right. If if this happened, nobody would be nobody would be shocked, right? Like, it's like, oh, gr- no. yeah, that's – of course this happens. <clears throat> Oh, okay. Bill Belichick just made a move that's going to keep the Patriots in the Super Bowl race for the next 10 years. I mean, does anybody know what Andrew Luck's doing right now? I feel like everybody knows what Gronk's doing because Gronk's just so out in the open. And and you can look at Gronk and you can obviously tell that, okay, Gronk's not going to play any football anytime soon. He's lost like 50 pounds. <laughs> he's, he's, playing, like, he, he's about to go in the WWE. Yeah, he's living his best <laughs> life right now. He's not coming back. Sure. But nobody yeah, knows anything beers. about Andrew Luck right now. Nobody no. knows what's going on. So, I yeah, I love that theory. Well, I think that would be great. I I cannot see Jameis or Cam Newton going there for sure. I have no idea what they're going to do. I have no idea what those two two guys are going to like, do. It's like it that those moves don't make a whole lot of sense, but at the same time, if the Patriots were to snag James Winston, I feel like 
they would they would be pretty good with Jameis Winston, or they would be good with Cam Newton. I think the turnovers are like they 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 are not going to put up with turnovers. Um, sure, but uh, the the Patriots run a much more efficient deal than uh, the Bucks do because Bruce Arians. He likes to throw the ball like fifty times a game. Yeah, and Belichick's not going to do that. I don't. I don't know how um, Brady's going to do. Brady just looks so bad last year at the end of right. the year. Well, I, I know was he's got weapons talking, this year, but man, I just don't know. I was actually talking with one of my friends that's in my fantasy league, and we were talking about like what that what this is going to do for the for like the Bucks receivers fantasy wise, and I was like, you know what, I'm. I, it's not going to do anything because what is what is. What production yeah, what, is, is Brady going to put up? That's gonna, he's not going to have more yards. Yeah, no way. No James Winston had f- over 5,000 5, passing yards. yards. He had 30 touchdowns. That's he not going to do decent, anything production-wise. He was a decent it's gonna, quarterback to have in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. I had him in fantasy. Now, yeah, I would was, also pick the defense that that was against um, yeah, Tampa Bay every pick, week. But, I would have uh, James Winston and the defense he was Man, he was, just, he was a fantasy gold mine. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe he was in a fantasy league. Maybe, maybe, maybe he had a a, a big payout. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, and I don't know of any other teams that are hot for. I mean, who else is hot for a quarterback right now? Especially for somebody like Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton is. You have to change your offense a little bit for somebody like Cam Newton. I would say. I. It, it's surprising to me that the Bears didn't get Cam Newton I think and they went with Nick Foles instead. Yeah. Do, would you rather Nick Tr- Foles or gonna, Cam What's going to happen with Trubisky? I, I just I think they just they want to jump ship on Trubisky. I think that's what right. they want to so do. So I know that that's that's what the Foles moves so seems like to me. Is Trubisky going to be cut? Like, or is it going to be like a a quarterback? You know, they're going to have a contest or something. Uh, it, it might be a little bit like um, like the Mariota Ryan Tannehill situation was this year at the t- with the Titans. Okay. Might be a little bit like that. Well, so um, all right, some so Saints. Like they moves. battle it out this year, and here's then whoever some, wins here's some gets Saints to stay moves. on the team and gets a thirty million dollar tr- contract. Right. Here are some Saints moves that we need to look for. Um, and I've heard Matt Moscona talking about Jameis Winston being a backup, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's. I don't. I think it's too much money. Um, I think he's going to want starter money because he threw for five thousand freaking passing yeah. yards last year for crying out loud. He's better than a lot of other quarterbacks. Um, he's got some issues. I don't think the Saints touch any of that. Um, Mariota's at the Ra- Mariota's at the Raiders now. <clears throat> I could see Derek Carr possibly being available eventually. Oh, okay. I could also see. I could also see now Trubisky being available. Can one of those guys in the Saints Trubisky offense be a good backup in the Saints offense under Peyton? Um, you've seen a lot of guys thrive in this offense, and it's usually receivers that we're talking about. Like Jimmy Graham is like the biggest example I always use. Jimmy Graham looked like he was the best tight end in the league when he was with the Saints. Then he moves on, and he's a mediocre tight end. Like he should have never left. Um, But can a quarterback come in under this system and produce at a higher level? And can you get a steal on somebody like Trubisky, who is in the completely wrong system, Who's a first-round talent because he's got he's got the arm strength he can he can run all that kind of stuff. Can can we steal a guy like that and turn him into who he was supposed to be? Yeah, because maybe he's just not ready. I mean, he's in what year two, three yeah. of his career. Yeah. I mean, maybe three, he's just not uh, ready. Yeah, three, yet. four, right? Yeah. 
something like that. that. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 young. He's uh, yeah, young. I, I think, he, and he only played one year in college, and, so he didn't know, even have that much college experience. And I think Mariota was somebody that I was thinking about last year because he was sitting the bench under Tannehill, and I was like, well, I wonder if they took a flyer on Mariota and grabbed that him. That would make sense too. Um, I, yeah. just, I just, I think that was a good move by the Raiders. I like. Um, I like Trubisky a little bit more than Mariota. I think Mariota's got some big time. I mean, <laughs> I hate to say, I'm I'm arguing who's who's more accurate as a quarterback, Mariota or Trubisky. <laughs> I, I'm I'm probably losing that argument. Pick your poison, time, but yeah, I think um, Mariota's a little bit more of a different style than what we would probably use at the Saints. But um, yeah, but at the same time, uh, I mean, we use if we want to use Taysom Hill, that's kind of the Mold. Yeah. That's that, kind of the my opinion, same mold. You lock up Taysom Hill, and he's there, and we always have him as a weapon, and he's always an emergency quarterback. Um, and that's one extra roster spot. I, I don't think anybody realizes that. He he takes up an extra roster spot uh, because he's the emergency quarterback. You can throw him in at tight end, wide receiver, anything you want. Uh, and he plays special teams. I mean, the guy is so valuable. Um and I, I think that's why he's going to ask for more money, and I think you pay him whatever he wants to get paid at this point. I agree. Um, yeah, I think he's very valuable. I do. Um, and you you even see teams trying to copy this thing that we're doing with Taysom unsuccessfully. Yeah, there's like no other guy Nick like Fitzgerald that. Nick Fitzgerald tried to do it, and people are saying that Jalen Hurts should try to do it. Uh, and I, I just don't I don't see anyone else in the league who can do all the things that he can do. No, because he's just so physical. Um, right. He's so fast. Um, you see him running and it just b- people bouncing off of him. That's just nuts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I couldn't it's, see him the as a quarterback. Athleticism and the though, strength the and like the willingness to do all oh, that. Yeah. Like no, no one else He's is willing to play special teams as a quarterback. Yeah. Try, you know? try to have Jalen Hurts uh, catch a pass and run down the middle and try to run over a linebacker. See what happens. Well, we're gonna wrap up this episode of One Team One Podcast, episode two. So that one will be in the books and look for us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and give us a shout out for any other LSU games you would like us to recap um, as we get through these times. Um, so see you guys next week. One team, one podcast. Rockin' the bus.